Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We are still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. And I'm Chloe, and in this episode we're talking about chapter 13 of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Good day to you. How are you? Good day, sir. We've already been chatting. This we is have. all a pretense. Ha, We've ha, been ha. talking for about half an hour. Although some people think our episodes are scripted. What? Yeah, and I'm like, mm, hell no. Who said this to you? A couple of my friends are like, oh, but like everything is like written down. You know what you're going to say and stuff. I'm like, no. <laughs> Wait, they think that this chat at the beginning No, is everything. Like everything is... The whole thing, yeah. start to finish. Yeah. It's we've written a script We've beforehand written a script. And we just perform it. Yeah. That's actually quite a compliment. I know, isn't it just? Because I think we sound like a hot mess most of the time. <laughs> we are! Oh, meow. Do you hear that? Yeah. What do you want? Don't! Jeez Louise. It is quite enjoyable for me to see you struggle with the cat because it's the same kind of struggle that I have with the dog. (laughs) It's such a day. Yeah, you leave. The other night, we had such a stressful night. Like, we were getting ready to go to bed. He went into... So he's got a crate and then his bed. He went into his crate where his bed was and he can get quite protective over the bed, but he also chews it up, rips it, eats it, struggles (laughs) to poop because he's full of stuffing. It's a problem. But to get that bed off him was such a performance and he was so agitated, so riled up. We were obviously very anxious. It took like an hour to like calm him down. For now, he's just sleeping on plastic, but he's just... And then, of course, as soon as that's gone, he's all cuddly, lovely. They don't understand that we remember everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this chapter... Shall we? Yeah, give me the plot. We're halfway through, Chloe. How amazing is that? That's quite exciting. This is the point in Twilight where we'd be on our second episode. (laughs) (laughs) Here we're on our 14th. Yes. You are so welcome. (laughs) So normally when I'm writing my plot for each chapter, I sit with the book and I literally go page by page, noting down what I deem to be the important points. That's not how I've done this. Oh! I read the chapter and thought, don't want to do that again. So, I, so I've just kind of gone with like a feeling. Because let's be honest, there isn't really much of like a start I did think, to I was like, what is he going to do for the plot? They're in the meadow. I've just kind of gone with what I felt were the key story beats, but I've not necessarily put them in chronological order. It's more of the feeling of this chapter. Exactly. This is what chapter 13 felt like to me. We're following directly on from chapter 12, so it's still Saturday the 19th of March 2005. Oh, my mum's birthday! Oh my god, is it? Yeah! How old would she have been? Young. Very young. Not very young. (laughs) In her 40s. So on Chloe's mum's 43rd birthday, Edith steps out into the sunlight to reveal her reflective skin. Edith struggles not to kill Beau as they get closer physically, but continues to assure him that she would never hurt him. She demonstrates how dangerous she is by smashing a tree and chucking a boulder around. She explains to Beau that he smells particularly tasty to her, which makes it extra tragic that she loves him. She literally can't have her cake and eat it. Beau is the cake in this situation. 
Bo isn't that concerned by the idea of being eaten. No, he's not. Edith describes her experience of Bo arriving at Forks High. She almost killed him, then fled to Alaska before realising she couldn't stay away. Edith gives Bo a piggyback back to the truck, then kisses him. And somewhere around there is the end of chapter 13. That is the end. That is literally the end. Great. See, I did quite well. Yeah, I think that was pretty chronological. Don't worry. This chapter... Well, it starts very differently to the equivalent Twilight chapter. Yes, because Bo thinks Edith is going to catch on fire. I have to say I prefer this description. Mm, yes. Of the skin yes, itself. I agree. I, did I wonder that. whether she intentionally kind of changed up the way this is described to try and distance it from the image of the film. Yes, and also the criticism she got for sparkly vampires. Uh, so yeah, it's different. In Twilight, we cut straight to them lying in the grass we don't get the actual moment where edward steps into the sun oh wow interesting i think that's misremembered by a lot of people because we see it in the film yeah so for all we know bella also thought that edward was bursting into flames but she just was embarrassed and so didn't include that in her retelling does Bo really think that edith would set herself on fire just to show him what she looked like well they don't know each other that well, to be fair. <laughs> I mean... All he knows is that she's a vampire and she's like, I'm going to show you something cool. Well, no, not even cool. Didn't she say it was pretty awful? She's expecting him to be horrified by this. Yeah. Can they... Do they have reflections? In this vampire universe, yes, because when they're photographed, they're in their photo. I was just wondering, maybe if she just has like the impression of flames all over her, maybe she thinks she looks like Ghost Rider. Uh, and it's just a flaming skull. She looks like Nicolas Cage. In the oh, sun. No, no, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're a beautiful vampire, but in the sunlight, you look like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's why they can't go to school on sunny days. I walked into the cafeteria and there were six versions of Nicolas Cage sat naughty. <laughs> vampire has a different film version of Nicolas Cage. It's alright because you're like young Nicolas Cage and face off whereas I am national treasure Nicolas Cage. The sorcerer's apprentice Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I would want to be the Nicolas Cage in Moonstruck with Cher because she won an Oscar in that film and I do really like that film and he's got a wooden hand. He wants to get down on his knees and worship her beauty. It's the kind you build temples for and make sacrifices to. I mean, if it's Nicolas Cage, fine. No, not fine, not fine. <laughs> okay, I understand she's very beautiful with her rib cage and her twig-like collarbone, but um, why can't we just worship her great wit? It was the kind of wit you worshipped. What? <laughs> I would love that. I think I would marry a man that said that to me. Yeah, it's just, it's all so much, isn't it? It's a lot. Yeah, so Edith is shining all over the joint. Did you notice that part of what he loved about Edith shining all over the joint is that it makes him seem yes, better? Yes, yeah. It's about him. Everything's about him. When the reflections of her fire flickers against his skin, he's like, suddenly my hand wasn't mediocre anymore. She was so astonishing that she could make even me less ordinary even him i would question the logic in that like if you're with someone who is super fit does it make you look better it makes you look so much worse <laughs> he just means that the light is on him what and it's just particularly flattering light well i mean if you're glowing i think you're sparkling it's quite it's quite nice isn't it 
I mean, everybody wants to sparkle. It's not his sparkle. It's borrowed sparkle. Leave her sparkle stealing her sparkle. Yeah, absolutely. Again, consent. Consent, Bo. So an hour passes with Edith singing to herself. (laughs) (laughs) What? Her lips moved and the light glittered off them while they almost trembled. (laughs) I thought she might have spoken, but the words were too quiet and too fast. Just singing to myself, she murmured. (laughs) It calms me. We didn't move for a long time except for her lips every now and then singing too low for me to hear. An hour might have passed, maybe more. So they sit in silence while Edith sings to herself. That's lovely. But also very strange. Awful. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't know what I would do. So is it just me or is it much more evident in this chapter than in Twilight how badly Edith wants to drink Beau's blood? I think in Twilight we were just more frustrated by the dynamic Mm. and the unpleasantness of his manipulation of Bella. Mm. Whereas here... She is genuinely trying to show him and tell him. She's very honest about... And we, you know, we get the same famous predator speech. But I kind of enjoy it a little more because Edith is a woman. And she's showing off her power and it's sexy. And I really like the image of her, you know, throwing this tree about. And then before it falls, she's right in Beau's face as it is falling behind her. I love that. The most terrifying thing I think that happens in this chapter is Edith's saying, I'm not thirsty today. Honestly, she winked. Oh! <laughs> that made you a bit sweaty. It did. And I was like, you can't trust a bitch. Mm, uh, yeah, I know. There is that whole, like, I want to eat you, but I really, really won't. Yeah, I, would I swear. Never, but I really, really want to. There's that bit where Bo's like, are you asking my permission? Yes, I was just about to get there. Yes. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you, do you... Do you want me to say, say that's okay? Yes. You want me to yeah. <laughs> please eat me, my goddess? He's okay with that, though. That's my problem. He's asking, thinking that Edith wants to kill him right here, right now. And he's actually all right. He wouldn't have chosen differently, even knowing it would end this way. Insane in the membrane. He's just embracing the end to his sad little life. <laughs> been a lot better if after all of this that we've had to deal with edith luring him to the meadow and then killing him <gasps> Ooh, yeah. you know like those films that shock you by killing off the big star early you know like scream did yeah like psycho of course this is a first person perspective on Bo, so that would be difficult. We would have to then have a new narrator for the next chapter, but... Um, I'm okay with that. Imagine! And then the rest of the book is like the cover-up. Yes. Oh! Charlie looking for his missing son. Yeah. We bring Jess back and then she's like a Nancy Drew. The Cullens might go missing. That would have been a much better story, I'm just saying. Imagine halfway through the book and he dies, you're like, what? Edith explaining the first day they met... I felt bad for Mr. Cope because I feel like Mr. Cope's going to be a great guy. But I do find the way she was like trying to get Bo to his doom kind of sexy. Mm. Yeah. I just want danger. But you've just got such a preference for Edith over Edward. Of course. We both do. Obviously, she's a better written character. But with Edward, that was creepy. It was creepy. And it's creepy with Edith. It is. But just in a fun way. But I'm enjoying the idea that I have 
depicted in my head of Edith just being more of a vampire. I feel that. I get it. When Edith is describing listening to your words in Jeremy's mind, his mind isn't very original and it was annoying to have to stoop to that. Now, when this was about Jessica, we were outraged. True, yes. But when it's about Jeremy, completely understand. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to Jess, I just think originality isn't everything. She was just living her life to the best of her ability. But we know that Jeremy isn't. Jeremy could be doing a lot better. Yeah. But I feel he doesn't want to. No, he doesn't. He's letting himself down. He's letting us down. He's letting the Stanley name down. He is. And we won't stand for it. Oh, what next? (laughs) It's all very mushy. It's all like, oh, I just love you so much. You're so beautiful. I don't need it. I know. Well, it's just the fact that she goes from I'm going to kill you to I am so in love with you within a millisecond. And I mean, part of that's relatable. But it's also (laughs) tiresome. Yeah. So then she's going to give him a piggyback back to the truck. And she's like, what's the problem? And he's like, you're so small. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Because you're so tall. You're so tall. The thing is, he is bigger. Like, the surface area of him is bigger. So, like, where are his limbs gonna go? Like, I understand that, but still. Not that she's not strong enough. He knows that she is, and also I'm just bored of hearing about how small she is. Yeah, me too. I don't really have anything to say. I just wanted to read the next couple of sentences after that, uh, because that's when she blew out an exasperated breath, then vanished. This time, I felt the wind from her passage. (laughs) (laughs) This was the same as in Twilight. (laughs) This is actually from New Moon. It takes for book two for Bella to feel the wind of Edward's passage. It's just an interesting turn of phrase that I've not heard before the Twilight Saga. Leaves a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? It, it does. Yeah, yeah. It does. And then we have the kiss. His blood boils. He grabs her hair. His hands are all over the place. She runs off. Well, she doesn't. She doesn't run off. She stays very, very still. Oh, that's true. She freezes and then... And it takes Bo a little longer, really, to stop after that has happened. And then he's like, should I stop? And to be fair, she says, no, it's tolerable. (laughs) Which is all I've ever wanted a partner to tell me. Your love is tolerable. Your kiss, tolerable. Your touch, tolerable. Tolerable. That's what I'm going to write in our next anniversary card. I'll be like, it's been a lovely couple of years of marriage. You're tolerable. And so concludes this chapter. It was tolerable. What is your best part of this chapter? Edith being more of a vampire. Is she though? Yeah, yes, he says. He's like, it's the most unhuman he's ever seen her be. She's picking up trees, throwing boulders, talking about her thirst for blood. Okay, fair. Yeah. Getting up all in his grill like, I'm the best predator. (laughs) Everything about me lures you in. My voice! What's your best bit? The description of Bo climbing onto Edith's back (laughs) when he says, my face was burning and I knew I must look like a gorilla on a greyhound. And I laughed a lot. Oh, God. That's a great description. Because that gave me a visual image of a gorilla riding a greyhound. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Greyhounds are so skinny. (laughs) And kind of pointy looking. Yeah. And imagine a panicked gorilla (laughs) on a super strong greyhound as it tries to cling on. 
I don't think I'll ever lose that image. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Okay. Um, and really nothing else. <laughs> so what was your worst bit then? My worst bit was just all the mushy stuff. Mushies. I don't have time for it. Yeah. I don't have time for worshipping the goddess. And like, yeah, she is a goddess. Yes, you should worship her. I just don't need to hear about it. Yeah, like the thing is... What I would have loved if he really did get on his knees, really want to sacrifice something and go hunting and give her a goat or something. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, like, turn this, like, come on, let's do something. Or if we went into, like, a really dark, something a bit more, like, True Blood-esque, where he allows her to feed from him, but just enough that he survives, and they start this quite dark relationship where he is feeding her. Like the plant from Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, Simon. Feed me, Beaufort. <laughs> What's your worst bit? My worst bit is Beau. Just Beau throughout this chapter. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of that as well. Yeah. Oh, it's such a shame. I was hoping I would like him more than Bella. And sometimes I do. Sometimes, yeah. Not now. No. Okay. Are you ready for the burning question? I am, yes. So, Royal, Eleanor, Jessamine, and Ernest were all cool with Edith killing Bo. Yeah. So, we've already touched on this a little bit. Yeah. But I want to know exactly how would that work? <laughs> well, he's so clumsy, they could make it look like an accident. Oh, okay, okay. So, she wouldn't feed on him necessarily? I think she would, but then cover it up. How? Maybe she could feed off of him in the woods and then Kareen can come with some skin off of a corpse and they could sew up his neck to make it look like... Oh my god, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> I wish I'd never asked. <laughs> 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 to make it look like he'd never been bitten. Or they make it out as though Bo is going back to Arizona and has just left. Oh, a little bit like what happens at the end of Twilight with James, like, I'm going. Yeah, and then he never returns to Arizona and he's just missing for years and years when actually he's buried in Charlie's garden. Thank you for joining us for Chapter 13 of Life and Death. Join us next week for Chapter 14, Mind Over Matter. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care. And remember, we're tolerable.